so good to be here this morning. Um, it was great to be in the 9am service um, and now we're together in this service. Um, Jan said that you had to behave yourself, don't worry about it, Wayne's not here. Um, he's at the other campus and so we can play up and do whatever we want and um, okay, nobody's laughing, they all think, no, it's all right. Um, welcome to those that are online. It's so great to have you as well, and I pray that um, you will be blessed this morning. As Jan said, and we're so grateful for both Sheridan and Jan, they are really amazing people in our lives. You know, iron sharpens iron, and that's how I feel when we're with these guys, that we get sharpened, and hopefully they get sharpened and we become better leaders so that you get to have a better um, understanding of who Jesus is because of what Jesus is doing in our lives as well. So let's get straight to the word, yeah? Um, I just want to pray because I really believe that God wants to do something incredible today in this service. I know he's always doing incredible things, but I just feel that God wants to do something and he wants to touch your hearts and your lives in a powerful way. So I'm going to pray and I want to encourage you to open up your heart and say, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do in me today. Are you okay to do that? Oh, that's really, really gutsy because you just never know what God's going to do. And um, But as we do open up and allow God to come and touch our hearts, something can shift, something can move, and it can bring us to a place of knowing that there is even more to come and God wants to do greater. Amen. So Father God, I pray right now and I pray for this word and I ask that you will be in control of it, that you will come and you will have your way. Do whatever you want to do in this place this morning. And Lord, I pray right now for different people in this house, that as they are sitting here in this midst, Lord, I don't know how people have come. I don't know whether people are exhausted as they've walked in today. I don't know if they've come with an expectation. I don't know what is happening in their lives. But what I do know is that when you're in control, anything can happen, that things can be shifted, things can be moved, things can be brought to an attention and highlighted that, Lord, we can have shifted out of our lives for the extension of your glory and what you want to do. So we surrender this morning and we say, here we are. Do whatever you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I was... um sitting over here worshipping, I looked over and I saw you. And um, I started to see you standing there before the Lord. And the Lord just highlighted to me that he's about to do a greater work in you that you have been crying out for. You've actually been saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I need more. I need more. You've got to do more in me. There's Something's got to shift in me. Something's got to move. I need you to come and touch my heart and my soul. And I want you to know that the Lord's heard your cry and what he's about to do in you is something extraordinary. And even you will marvel and you'll say, I can't. It's, it's, I don't know how to do it. But it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on the fact that God lives in you and who you are in 
God and what God wants to do through you. So don't even stop to imagine what God wants to do through you. You're going to marvel and the people will marvel at the way you will rise up and be this incredible woman that will stand firm, stand strong, stand and do the things that God is asking you. And the doubts and the questions that you've had will be turned from doubts and questions to there is nothing that my God cannot do. There is nothing that he doesn't want to do. And through your life, many other people will be touched, changed, and they will see in you the glory of the Lord shining through you. For the joy of the Lord is our strength and the joy of the Lord will shine so strongly through you. Even in the midst of turmoil, you will have joy and the joy will represent who God is in your life and many will come and say, tell me, tell me who he is. Is it all right if I pray for you? Would that be okay? So Father, I just pray right now and I ask that you will just move powerfully upon her. Thank you for her. Thank you for the incredible woman that she is. But I can't wait to see what you're going to do in and through her life because you have greater, much more to come. And I thank you that in the midst of all of what's going on, you come and you say, I am the I am. So bless her today, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, what I want to speak to you today is the word hope. Um, everybody in the 9am laughed because I said our cheese had gone from 4 to $5 to $10. And everybody was like, oh, Ruth, cheese here is like $18. Am I right? So I'm not going to use the whole cheese thing because it really flopped badly. And so I'm going to come with some other things, hopefully. But what I want to talk about is hope. Now, in this world right now, I don't know about you, but there is a sense of hopelessness. When you hear about things that are happening in the schools, when you hear about things that are happening in the world, you start to wonder when is it going to stop? When is this whole sense of going, where are you, God, in the midst of our world turned around? We're seeing interest rates skyrocketing. We're seeing food prices go up. We're seeing petrol prices that I nearly had a heart attack on. I thought $2.20 was bad enough, not $3 for a, a litre of petrol but you know these kind of things are happening and we start to go whoa if this keeps up how am I going to afford to pay for my mortgage how am I going to afford to feed my family how am I going to afford to do what I do what are we going to do and there is this sense of hopelessness that the enemy is bringing in the back door and he's covering us and we even sense this sense of hopelessness at times in the church yeah or is it just me? But what I want to share with you today is that Jesus is the hope of the world. And if we truly believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, if we truly believe what that means, then how do we question whether or not he's in control? And why do we question? What makes us lose the hope? that has been given to us so powerfully. If you look at the word hope in the English language, it says a feeling of expectation and desire in a particular thing to happen. But what happens in the English language with the word hope is that we use it and we're like, oh, 
I hope the prices come down in the supermarkets because I don't know if I can do this anymore. Oh, I hope my child will come back to the Lord because I, I, I don't know if it's ever going to be ha- able to happen. It's almost a desperation in our hope. The word hope has been taken and it's been brought to a place where we're expecting something to happen, but we've actually put a slant on it where we're like, I hope that desperation. But that's not what the biblical meaning of the word hope is. That's not what the word hope was ever meant to be. You know, when I looked up the Hebrew meaning of the word for hope, it actually is very different to the English meaning. The Hebrew word for the hope in the Old Testament is more concrete than the English word. In the Hebrew, the word means the expectation, but it also means cord or rope. Right? So when we come to the end of the rope, we're not at the end of the rope. Because if Jesus is our hope of the world and the rope is wrapped around us, it never ends. So therefore, our hope never ends. Do we get that? Some of you are sitting there thinking, there is an end to a rope though, Ruth. Not with Jesus. Because it's wrapped around us. And then it goes on and it says... This comes from a root word that means bind or to wait upon, wait for. If we truly have accepted Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour, we've said, Lord, you be the Lord of my life. We've invited the hope of the world into our hearts and our lives, right? So therefore, if Jesus is the hope of the world, if he is the cord that is the hope, then I believe when we accept Jesus, that cord is wrapped around us. It is tightly around us. It never leaves us. It never forsakes us. It never walks out of the room. So we constantly walk with the hope of the world upon us. So when situations come to try and tell us there is no hope, we rise up and go, "Uh uh-uh. Because there's the hope of the world. There is Jesus. And Jesus can do all things. Nothing is impossible for him. That's what the word of God said. And if we truly want to believe the word of God, then we hold on to that. See in Luke 1.37, for the word of God will never fail. Oh, it's all right for you, Ruth. You're not in my situation. No, I'm not. But let me say this. God right now is writing your story of hope. So you may not have seen the answer come to pass yet. You may not see the situation turned around yet. But right now, God knows the end because he is the what? Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. He knows all things and he knows the end. And he knows, as we sang today, that it will always be good for us. So therefore, he's writing our story of hope that we will testify and stand and declare. Oh, amen. So let me share a story. Many, many years ago, 2004, 2005, um, we bought a building. 
We believed that it was the building. God told us it was the building we were going to move into. We were excited as a church. We had needed to move out of our other church. It was time and we needed a new property. So we bought this new property and it was amazing. We had tenants in it. It was cabot stained, so it was a paint warehouse and we were going to go in there. We were going to rebuild this building. So in 2004, we started the process with the council. And the council was like, yeah, can't see any problems why you can't have a place of worship in there. So it's fine. We start to go. We're all excited. We're pumping up our church. We're like, church, we're moving. This is going to be amazing. And in 2009, see, five years later, through much, much work and at many times thinking this is hopeless. Even to the point that Wayne said, I think we're going to need to look for another property. I think we'll need to sell this. And we're like, no, but God told us this was our property. We kept believing. The council was about to sign it was all there. We're excited. This is the moment. They're going to sign off. They're going to let us have it. We're glorifying Jesus. We're excited. Then Wayne gets a phone call and says, it got vetoed. You can't have it. The planning department came down and said, no, it's not happening. We had no idea why. We had to go what we call VCAT, which is a, um, a board that you go and sit in front of. So Wayne had to go. The council came. And Wayne's sharing with our lawyer why we should have this property. The counsellor there. Anyway, Wayne stands up and he starts to share. And the, this VCAT have never done it before. Normally what they say is you have to wait six to eight weeks before we make a decision on whether or not you can have it. But on that day, that day, they stood up and they declared... I don't know why this is happening and I don't understand why the council has done this to you, but you can have whatever you want. You can have your building. You don't have any restrictions. You can have as many people in there as you like. You can do whatever you want in that building because whatever's going on over here is wrong and you have it. And so therefore, we declare today you can have your building. But it took five years of feeling hopeless at times. But knowing, knowing that God had spoken to us and said, this is what's going to happen. We can't afford to lose the hope, even in the midst of the situations that don't look like they should be what they are. You know, in Romans 15, 4, such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope. When you read the word of God, you read story after story after story of hope in the word of God. So I want to look at a person in the Bible this morning. It's good to turn to the word of God. Amen. And the person I want to look at is Gideon. Gideon is in Judges chapter 6. So if you want to read along or you want to be a part of it you can, and you've got your Bibles, please turn to Judges chapter 6. But mainly in Judges 6 and 7 is the story of Gideon. 
And when you read this story, it starts to make you realize that this man, Gideon, didn't start off being hopeful. He didn't start off with knowing that he was going to defeat all of these armies with the, with the help of the Lord. It started off with a sense of hopelessness. So let me pick it up at Judges 6, 11 to 13. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abazite. I think that's right, anyway. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. Let me go back a little bit from the start. Here we see the Israelites. They've been brought out of Egypt. They've been taken into the wilderness. The Lord's provided for them. He's given them everything they require. They keep continuing to turn their back on God. God finally brings him into the um, promised land and it's all working out really, really well. And then what do they do in this passage of scripture? They turn their backs on God again and they start to worship the God Baal. They don't believe that God is the God that can do all things. They don't believe that God is the God of hope. So then what happens is the midnights come in and they start to steal all their food. They start to do things to them that, that they are like, whoa, where is our God? He has abandoned us. Let me say here, God never abandons us. We abandon God. So in the midst of the difficult situations, it's not the time to abandon God. It's the time to press into God. It's the time to do what we did this morning. It's time to praise Him. It's time to worship Him. It's time to honour Him. It's time to give Him all that He deserves, no matter how we feel. Because our worship to God is not dependent on how we feel. It's dependent on the fact that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we worship and we allow him to do it. But here we see Gideon. Gideon is one of the judges. He's a newly formed judge. And he's there and he's fearful. So he's hiding away and he's threshing the food and he's keeping it hidden so the midnights don't come. And then what happens? Along comes an angel of the Lord to tell him that the God of hope is right there with him. And his response is, don't see any of that. There is no hope. He's lost the hope. He then starts to question God. Where are all the wonders that was promised? How many of us, when we're, we're believing that God has said, your child will come back to, to the Lord. Your child is that promised child that God has their hand upon. And we're like, well, we're not seeing it. You've abandoned me. Or the financial situation is getting worse. So instead of us pressing into God and bringing our finances to where he wants them to be, we hold on to them in fear and we allow the hopelessness to take over instead of pressing into the promises. Because what does the scripture say? The promises are there. If you give, you shall receive. If you bring your first fruits, what happens? You will receive. That's what the promises are. But we choose to not step into the hope. We choose to step out of it. 
and take it on to our own self and how we think. See, in Judges 6, 7 to 10, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. I want to give a word of warning here. Whatever situation we're going through, let us not fall into the trap of the Israelites and think that our God is not in our room. Let's look back and start to look at the things he did for us over there because if he did it, then he can do it again. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is never not going to come through for us. Well, he hasn't come through for me. He's writing your story of hope. And we're not meant to believe in God dependent on what he does for us. We believe in him because he is the I am. And he will do what he needs to do in his time. You know, in Judges 6.14, then the Lord turned to him and said, this is with Gideon, because Gideon's so hopeless, he's feeling really hopeless. And the Lord said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites I am sending you to. What do you mean? I don't even have the strength to get up the next day. I'm trying to just keep our food hidden so we can survive. And the Lord said, I'm giving you the strength. Church, it's time as a believer, as a church, that we rise up and understand who is in our corner. I think for too long we have stood back. I think for too long as the church, we have stood back and we say, yeah, yeah, we believe in Jesus. We go to church. We worship him. We honour him. We do all of these things and then we walk out these doors and we forget actually who we're serving. We forget actually the authority and the power that he has given to us. In this scripture, he says to Gideon I have given you strength go with the strength he is saying to each and every one of us I have given you the strength to live each day rise up and trust me and believe in me don't go on the dependent of your circumstances go on the understanding and the knowledge that he is the Lord and he is the king of kings sorry I do yell see If we fast forward to verse 22, when Gideon realised it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. What had actually happened was Gideon went off after hearing from the Lord, prepared a sacrifice, brought it back, put it down and the angel of the Lord came, burnt up the sacrifice. And this is when... Gideon realises, oh my goodness, I've allowed my hopelessness, my disbelief to take over. I'm doomed because I can't do it without the hope of the world. I can't do it without Jesus binding around me. I know we're in the Old Testament But we're in the New Testament day right now with Jesus bound around us. We can't do it without him. So stop pushing him out. Bring him to you. 
Stop wondering whether he's there and understand he is. Stop questioning whether God does love you or not because it says in the scripture that he does. He loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to do all of that for you. If there was no one else on this planet, he would have done it just for you. No greater love has a man than this, that he laid down his life. So let us not question whether God is in our room. Let us not think it's hopeless, but let us go back to understanding that it doesn't matter how bad the situation is, God's with us. If you continue to read this passage of scripture, you start to see more and more the hopelessness. But suddenly God comes to Gideon and Gideon receives the hope from God. In verse 23, it is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, you will not die. A beautiful promise that comes to Gideon. Gideon is starting to realize, I have hope. I have the hope of the world with me. Gideon hadn't seen change in his circumstances. But he began to praise God. He built an altar of worship. He knocked down the Baal worship and he said, that is not happening. We're going to worship our God. We're going to lift his name high, whether our situation has changed. What you need to know is the army started to grow even stronger against the Israelites. They started to come. The region started to come together. Different places started to form this strong army. There were hundreds of thousands of people that were going to come against the Israelites but God came and suddenly Gideon's reliance was not on himself or what was around him it was totally on God what I love about God in this whole story was that he comes and he says to Gideon in verse 34a then the spirit of the Lord clothes Gideon with power I want to declare to each one of you today The Spirit of the Lord clothes you with power, clothes you with power. Come on, get a picture of that. When the enemy comes up against you, yeah, give it a go. You think you're greater? Well, you're wrong. I might be weak as a person, but with the clothing of the power of the Holy Spirit upon me, I stand here and declare to you, you have no hope, enemy. You can get out of my family. You can get out of our finances. You can get out of this situation over here. You can get out of my marriage. You can get out of the things that are causing me to feel hopeless because I won't stand back because the power of the Lord is upon me and I will stand up and you will understand, enemy, you have no authority, no control, nothing. Because why? We are bound by the hope of the world and we walk in that authority. Does it mean that we don't feel? Of course we feel. Does it mean that we don't at times feel the heaviness? Oh my goodness, Gideon felt the heaviness. If you go on and read the scriptures, Gideon was then gathered 22,000 men to come together to fight these armies. Now I just want to say, 22,000 wasn't even going to cut it, right? But he gathered them. And then I love God. He comes to Gideon and he says, hey, Gideon, you've gathered 22,000 men to fight the army. But I don't want you to have 22,000. So go to that 22,000 and say, if any of you don't want to fight this war, it's okay, go home. So what happens? 
12,000 of them leaving. We're going back. Okay, I'm left with 10,000 now. It's okay because the, the power of God is clothed upon me. We can do this. Okay, you ready, 10,000? We're going to go and we're going to fight all of these people. We're going to win. We're going to have the victory. And then God comes to Gideon and says, you're not having the victory. It's not going to be about you. You're not going to stand up and declare that you did this. It's going to be me and all of the Israelites will declare my name and they'll say that I did it. Our life, you're not going to be in control. You're not going to be the one that will see the impossible situation turned around. You're not getting the glory. I am, says the Lord, because I'm writing your story of hope. I'm doing it. And you will stand and you will declare that it was God. It was me who did it. So then we see in this situation that then the Lord says to Gideon, take them down to the river. And whoever drinks out of their hands in a cup, they're the ones you keep. And whoever leans down to drink direct from the river, they're the ones you send back. And now we're left with 300 men. Oh, not many to fight these armies now, is there? That's a bit hopeless, don't you think? But not with God. Because God did that. So that Gideon and the Israelites could take no credit whatsoever for what was about to take place. And when you continue to read, we realise that our reliance is not upon our strength, our ability, what we think can happen. Our reliance comes on God. And this is where we have to press into God like never before. Gideon would have been pressing into God. Well, God, you've said you'll do it. You better show us how. And he does show them how when he goes down in the scripture. And he says, go down and listen to what they're saying. And when they go down and they hear the people speaking, suddenly the people are scared. They're scared of these 300 men that they don't know is only 300. And then when something happens, they start to war and they fight each other and the battle is won because they killed each other that's what the enemy does he gets killed by his own sword he always comes undone he thinks he's done it he thinks he's got control he thinks he's better but he always comes unstuck why because the power of God is greater the power of God is stronger the power of God is mighty it is greater than anything we could ever imagine and when we stand in the authority and the understanding that we are bound by this presence of God something shifts something moves you want more in this church? Oh, okay, no? You want to see the greater? You want to see God moving? You want to see people coming and, and bowing down before the Lord? Do you want to see your friends, your neighbours, your relatives coming to know Jesus? It's not up to the um, people that are leading this church. It's up to you as an individual that rises up with the understanding and the knowing and the knowledge that you have been powered by the Holy Spirit to rise up to be who God has called you to be. And whether your situation is good or not in and through, through that, God uses you in a powerful way. Why? We don't have to walk around and go, oh, my situation is so bad, but I'm pressing into Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about my situation isn't great right now. And yeah, it's heavy. And yeah, I do feel the burden. 
But what I want to declare to you today, that God is writing my story of hope and I know that it's gonna, he's going to come through for me. I trust him. I believe in him. I know that he will come through. Right now, I'm not feeling that it's, it's where it should be, but I'm going to press in. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to wait before him. I'm going to go through all my emotions with him, but I'm not letting him go. He's not going out of my room. The desperation. Gideon, 300 men would have gone. Oh, I think we're in trouble. We need to press into God right now. We're to trust his strategy. We're to trust that what he's doing is going to work. We're not going to go in our mindset, but we're going to trust in God. If Josh could come, that would be great. Thank you. Is it Josh? Okay. Ephesians 6, 12 to 17. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the enemy that's trying to take us out. But this is what the scripture says. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. So when the day of evil comes, which I think we're in, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. People, let us rise up as believers and start to say, I am in the army. I am part of the army. But I know, God, you've gone before us and, the, and it has been defeated. Jesus defeated it on the cross and it is defeated. It is defeated. It is defeated. But it is us who rise up and say, I believe it. And I will not let the enemy take me out. The statistics right now in Australia are really sad. We are seeing churches declining. 70% of our churches have declined since coming out of COVID. 5% of churches every year are shutting the door. And only 1% of churches are rebirthing. I would envisage New Zealand's static stats are very similar. So what are we going to do about it, people? It's not, the, it's not the institution's problem. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit back and wonder whether God exists or whether he's there? Are you going to rise up and be determined and say, not on my watch, not on my watch, enemy. This is going to be the greatest hour. This is going to be a greatest hour of the move of the Holy Spirit. This is where the wind of the Spirit is blowing. And if we're not going to stand up, we'll miss it. But I'm saying to you and I am declaring to you right now that we are going to see a move of the Holy Spirit that we have not ever seen before. And it is going to move so powerfully. And He's going to come and He's going to do something in us that will shake us. Mediocrity is not in his vocabulary anymore.
one in the name of Jesus. Because we are believers, understanding that we are clothed in power and anointing and authority to go forward and to trust that there is a God who is writing our story of hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. So this morning, I want to put it to you. Where are you? Are you allowing your circumstances to be so heavy that you're like Gideon hiding away? Just preparing your own food and making sure no one else is going to come and steal it? Or are you going to allow the God to come, the God of hope, the God of grace, the God of mercy, to be poured on you, that hope rises again, that when he says, go to your neighbour and share the goodness of me, go to your family, go to those around you, go and see what I'm going to do because none of us are exempt. And you know what? It's in that hope that people see that Jesus is real. Even when our circumstances haven't come to pass. I want to share a quick story as I finish. Wayne's sister. He's only got one sister. Decided about 16 years ago that she was going to walk away from God, but not just walk away from God. She was walking away from her family. She blamed Wayne and I. She said all these things. We didn't know what we had done. But what I do know is that we were standing strong for Jesus and she wasn't, we weren't fighting in flesh and blood. We were fighting principalities and powers. I did everything in my power to love on her, to take those gifts to her house at Christmas, to continue to reach out every birthday. I would do whatever it took to reach these people, her and her children, nothing just gone walked away from her mum and her dad and us I'd love to stand here today and say it's okay, it's all better now we trusted Jesus, she's back in our life she's not but I'm not giving up hope I'm not going to stop praying for her, I'm not going to stop believing, I did stop bringing gifts and things because I believe the Holy Spirit said you've done enough now step back, let me have it So we're believing that God's going to do it. But I'm not going to lose hope because I know that I know that God is in control. So I want to encourage you today. If you haven't seen the ending of your story, remember God's writing your story of hope and you will declare and you will testify But you will not be able to testify and say, I did this and I did that. You will stand and you will testify as Gideon. We did nothing. There was only 300 of us, but hundreds of thousands were slaughtered. Why? Because God was in control. He's got this and he's got your situation. But he's looking for people like Gideon to stand up in the midst of the hopelessness and say, I'm bound by the hope of the world.